My sermon this morning is entitled, Down But Not Out. Well, I may be down, but I'm not out. I'm trusting in the one who's the great lifter-upper. And I know that the Lord is present. I know that a lot of things that we go through are really start up up here. You know, we can, be, we can have an attitude of, of, of gratitude. We can have an attitude of expectation. We can trust the Lord and know that we're in his hands and everything's going to be just fine. Amen? It's amazing to me how long it takes for human wisdom to catch up with biblical wisdom. What this particular um, professor has to say is true. But, it, but the truths that he's sharing are really scriptural, but he doesn't know it necessarily. His book is The Learned, Opti Learned Optimism, and his name is Professor Martin Sel Seligman. And here's what he claims, quote, one of the most significant findings in psychology in the past 20 years is that individuals can choose the way they think. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, right? That's a lot longer ago than this dear man put out. Depression is nothing more than its symptoms. It's caused by negative thoughts. There is no underlying disorder to be rooted out. Not unresolved childhood conflicts, you know, blame your mother. Not our unconscious anger and not even our brain chemistry. Emotion comes directly from what we think. And believe it or not, you can say amen to that because that's what you're going to see in Scripture this morning. The Bible has so much to say about how to handle negative thinking and feelings, the ones that we experience as we go through life's challenges. And as the sermon says, there are times when we will feel down. There are times we'll feel that all is lost. There are times when we feel, how can I make it through today or this circumstance? But it's a matter of how you think. Life is a daring adventure. It's a mixture of happy and sad. You've experienced that. It's a tapestry woven throughout with threads of disappointment, patches of feelings, of anger, worry, failure, discouragement, and despair, which can be experienced in our personal and family relationships. We can have those feelings in our work with the Lord or our relationship at church. We can, we can be upset with gossip, judgmental, critical, unforgiving individuals. Our work life, how many people have gotten discouraged with work because you feel you're not being recognized? Because you feel that, you know, you really deserve more, but they haven't given you more? Everybody else seems to get an, a promotion, but you, and you work so hard, and yet everyone just seems to be breezing along, and you take it so serious. You can have discouragement in your personal behavior and goals, a lot of people have a poor self-image. They just think that uh, there's nothing good about them. But Jesus didn't die for somebody with that mindset. Jesus knows that none of us is perfect, and all of us have issues, and he died for those issues. He died for those very negative feelings you have to take them away and put in their place. His positive, his positive gospel and his positive truth. Our Bible is a Bible of good news. Oh, yes, there's bad news if you don't accept that gospel. But if you've reset, accepted Jesus Christ and you believe in him, it's good news. We can feel we've disappointed the Lord. How many times have you felt that? That we're not good Christians. How many times have you felt that? Our text reminds us 
that there are healthy and spiritually rewarding to work uh, ways to get through such times like that. So let's open our Bibles to Psalms 103, verses 1 to 18, which basically is the psalm. Let's stand together. Psalms 103, verses 1 to 18. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who hath forgiven all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, that means speak out in anger. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, remember that, as far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father who pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He looking down on us with sorrow in his heart so many times. For he knows our frame, that, and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him, and to his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Thank you. you may be seated. I like the way it starts out on such a positive note. Bless, verse 1 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. That means regardless of your circumstance, you can and you will rise above that circumstance with God on your side. So the truth is this, your attitude will determine your attitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. How you feel will determine how you think. When you praise the Lord and bless the Lord, your disappointments become God's appointments. Your disappointments become God's appointments. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's a very wonderful story. I think I've told it once here, but I'll tell it again because it expresses that reality. One Sunday in Copenhagen, Denmark, 80-year-old Corey Ten Boom spoke from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, urging our audience to present their bodies a living sacrifice unto Christ. Two nurses invited her to their apartment for lunch, and she accepted. Their apartment was 10 floors up, and there was no elevator. And remember, she's 80 years old. Mom, she was just a kid compared to you. With his help, she made it, and if, with God's help, you'd make it too. <clears throat> she found there the parents of one of the girls. Neither was a Christian. But both were eager to hear the gospel, which she shared throughout the luncheon. 
That day, both prayed for Christ to enter their lives. And on her way down the stairs, Corey said, Thank you, Lord, for making me walk all up all of those steps. You see, she had found the reality that our disappointments really are God's appointments. That person never would have gotten saved, maybe, but she was God's appointed, appointed person at that time. Verse 2 says, forget not all his benefits. That's all the good things that God has done for you. Can you name them? Count your blessings, it says. Do we know how many wonderful things God has done for us? And yet sometimes we get stuck on what's not going on. We get stuck on what he hasn't done for us because we prayed about it so many times. We get stuck in that negative place that doesn't give us any perspective. If you get into a place like that where you're feeling down, where you're feeling that everything is going wrong and you just can't remember your blessings, that's the time to pray and open up your mind to the things that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. There are 30 benefits listed in Psalm 103. This is just a sample of what the psalmist writes as some of the benefits, some of the blessings of God. He forgives our sin, verse 3 says. Have you had your sins forgiven? There are, there are celebrities who go to, go to psychiatrists every single day and they're trying to deal with the guilt of the past and their feelings, their anger, their negativity, and the reality is they'll, pray, they'll pay that psychiatrist thousands upon thousands of dollars and that psychiatrist will not do what God can do when your past sins are forgiven. You can sleep much better when you don't have that conscience haunting you because those things have been forgiven. God's not angry, vengeful. God wants you to, to, to know that forgiveness is yours. God wants you to know that he's not dealing with you on the basis of those past sins. He's dealing with you out of the vast resources of his mercy and out of his grace. He's not looking back to pick this and pick that and haunt you with this and haunt you with that. What he's looking to do is get you to a place where you'll confess and repent and then move on. And remember that verse that we read in Psalm 103. When you confess your sin, God promises he'll remember them no more. They will be separated from his mind as far as the east is from the west. What does that look like? That's a forever thing. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. He loves you just as you are. And I said this a thousand times, but he loves you too much to leave you just where you are. In verses 14 and 15, creator God knows you because he made you. He knows you because he made you. Jesus knows you have limitations. He knows where your breaking point is. People say, well, if he knows where my breaking point is, then he better jump in because I'm at my breaking point right now. You've been at your breaking point before, haven't you? And you've seen God react. And you've seen God intervene. And if you were broken, you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. God knows your breaking point. He knows how much of a load you can handle. He knows that there are times when you will have doubts and fears, and he knows you will have up times and down times. And he knows there will be seasons in your life. And that's what we go through. We go through seasons of doubt. 
We go through moments of fear. We go through days when we don't think we're going to make it, and we've kind of given up. But without a testing, there can be no testimony. Unless God tests you, unless God tests me, unless he puts us into the crucible, unless he gets a chance to see what our metal is all about, like he tested Job or anybody in the scripture, these things come to us because God wants us to realize what we're made of and how we need to rely on him and how we need to trust him. These things will come. Four keys to unlock Christ's help in times when you're down. Number one, face the fact, and as I just said, accept that challenging times will come into your life. No one is exempt from the challenges of life. You're not. I'm not. And as such, we can't run away when it comes. We have to recognize that God is allowing this to come into my life. God is allowing this to come into your life. Someone once said it, and I've repeated it to myself many, many times. Nothing comes to me until it's first gone through the nail-scarred hands of Christ. Amen? Nothing's coming to you until he's first passed on it. And he passes on it because he wants you to know what you're capable of with his help. It's not a question of if life will feel like it's crushing you. It's really a question of when. And then what you will do when you feel that way. When Jesus, was, when Jesus was on earth and he asked his disciples to pray for him, I know he knew the answer, but the reality was there. They fell asleep. Now, if you want to make somebody feel really, really bad, it's like, listen, well, you're sitting here listening to a sermon. You could fall asleep. You have my permission. <laughs> but I mean, how do you think Jesus felt? when he asked these disciples to do something at this critical point, so disappointed. The Bible records that they were riddled with shame and guilt, but here's a beautiful truth. Jesus never abandoned anyone because they failed or disappointed him. Jesus never abandoned anyone because they failed or disappointed him. That's not human, but it's Jesus. And he would like us to be more like that. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Where do I turn? Who do I go to? Go to the Lord. People said, well, I prayed was a last resort. <laughs> How about praying? And it's the first resort. How about making it the highest priority when you are in one of those states and you can't seem to get out of it? Let's talk about prayer in a minute. Psalm 143, verse 7. O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me. It happens. The psalmist is one of the biggest ones on that. How many times he felt like he was alone in this battle? How many times he felt he was going to be defeated? How many times he went through depression? If you study the book of Job, you know what you'll find? That Job was going through something that's known in this jargon today as clinical depression. And God was with him, and God helped him out of that pit. In Zephaniah 3.5, it says, He faileth not. The Lord never fails. He's not going to let you down. I love the verse that says, Jesus never fails. I fail, 
You fail, but Jesus never fails. He'll never leave you. He'll never cast you aside. He'll never abandon you. I may feel like I failed as a pastor. You may feel you failed as a Christian. You failed as a spouse, a parent, a friend. But don't give up. It's not too late. God hasn't given, uh, given up on you. He's not finished with you. And one thing to remember about God, he's the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God who keeps giving us an opportunity to be lifted up by him, to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and then to do something about it. Key number two, you can overcome anger, fear, worry, and negative thinking. Yes, you can. You can overcome those things. 2 Timothy 1.7, a beautiful verse that you should know. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Those are good things. Those are good things to have in your heart. Those are good things to have in your mind. Those are good words to go over when you're feeling everything but that. And there are times when you will feel everything but that. You'll be fearful. You'll feel weak. You'll feel unloved. You'll feel like you're losing it. And God tells you just the opposite. I'm hanging on to you, and these are the things I'm using to hold on. Fear, worry, anger are more damaging than failure because they will paralyze you. Those emotions will paralyze you. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president, said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Why? Because negative thinking will weld you into, into immobility. The Bible says man's heart will fail them for fear. In other words, when you're feeling these negative emotions, you can't get past them. They're like a giant wall in front of your face, and you bang away at it. But I only know one who can walk through a wall, and that was Jesus. And when he's walking through that wall, guess what? He's going to take you through it too. There's no obstacle. There's no barrier. There's no power that can be defeated. The Bible says there's no weapon that could be used against you if you're putting your faith and your trust in the Lord. That's not just pie in the sky, buy and buy stuff. That's right here and right now. And you've proved it. You've proved it. You've proved it. Because you've seen God do these things. But we live by faith and not by sight. Negative thinking will weld you into immobility. And what is the remedy for fear and worry and negative thinking? You must be concerned, but stop worrying. Now, I've brought these three phrases up to you in the past, and I thought tonight would be a good time to bring them up again. Worry is futile. Why? Because worrying about something doesn't change a thing. It's like sitting in a rocking chair and rocking back and forth and think, by doing that, you're going to get someplace. You ain't going to get no place. Worry is not going to get you anywhere. Worry is forbidden because God tells us not to do it because it demonstrates a lack of trust in him. Do you trust him? Can you trust him? I had a very dear friend. I've said this maybe five times since I've been a pastor. Very dear friend, every time his business got into trouble, he'd call me up and say, Bob, pray for me. We're in real trouble. I don't think I'm going to make it. Oh, 
get up, pray. We pray together, pray with them. Everything turned out fine. Call me again. Bob, pray. You know, the whole place is falling apart. I'll never survive this. We prayed. He did. Third time, he calls me up. And there was a lot of time in between. I said to him, you remember we've prayed for this before. He said, I know we prayed. I said, you remember that God answered your prayer in the affirmative. You're still in business. I know he answered my prayer twice, but will he do it again? <laughs> will he do it again? Worry is foolish. 95% of what you worry about won't happen anyway. Forbidden, futile, forbidden, and foolish. Key number three, start praying and keep praying. The devil trembles when a Christian prays. There's no greater power than the power of prayer because the power behind prayer is God Almighty. Apply the PUSH principle. I've done this with you before. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Don't give up. Oh, but pastor, I've been praying about this for years. You got more years ahead of you. You may have to be praying that prayer with your deathbeds, praying your last prayer with the last breath you've got. But leave it to the Lord. Key number four, you can overcome failure and fear and these other things in your spiritual walk. Proverbs 28, verse 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What do you do when you've got sin looming up in your doubt in your life? When you doubt, when you're fearful, when you're not trusting the Lord, the thing to do is to ask the Lord to forgive you. And he will. And this is a very hard thing for some people. You ask the Lord to forgive you as something that's deep-rooted in you, something that you have been so upset for years, and you ask God to forgive you for that, and he does, but you don't think he did. I can't tell you how many women over my time preaching outside of church who have come to me and said, Pastor, I had an abortion, and I don't believe God can ever forgive me. And I would quote 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. You believe that and you'll be free. Whom Jesus has made free is free indeed. And he frees us when we confess and he frees us when we repent and he frees us when we move on and trust him and believe him and believe his word. We say things a lot of time, but do we really believe them? Stop punishing yourself. Do you really believe God could and would forgive you? And thirdly, just get over it. If you've confessed your sin, he has promised to forgive you no matter what you've done, and he will. Don't live the rest of your life with things that you did 30 years ago. We really only fail when we let sin, fear, and disappointment defeat us and cause us to give up. The worst thing a Christian can do is walk away from the Lord. Now, you may have walked away from him, but he hasn't walked away from you. Amen? With God's help, with Christ's example, and with the Holy Spirit alive and living in you, fear, failure, anger, disappointment, negative thinking cannot crush us. It can't defeat us. 
It can't steal our salvation, bury us in guilt, haunt us to desperation, cause Christ to abandon us, or steal our joy. It can't do that. You're in Jesus' hands. The Holy Spirit has promised to stay and never leave. He's not on a revolving door. He's in for keeps. When you come to your wit's end, and many of us have, when you come to your wit's end, you're going to find out that God lives down there waiting for you. When you get to that place when you think you're so deep and dark, he's waiting for you just to cry out to him and know that he will take you back. Psalm 24, 16, for as a just man falls seven times and rises up again. That's God's promise to you. You'll fall flat on your face, but he'll pick you up and dust you off and say, you keep on keeping on. I'll go with you all the way. Philippians 1.16, a great verse to remember. Being confident of this very thing. Confident. Confident. It means you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to be with you. He's going to keep his promise until you go home to be with the Lord or the Lord comes to rapture his church. Amen. Aren't you excited about that? Amen, 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 amen. Pray about it, whatever it is. Cry about it. Talk about it. Laugh about it. Get mad about it. But don't ever give up. Remember, with, with Jesus Christ in your corner, you may be down now, but you're never going to be out. Amen? And amen. Let's pray. Pray your blessing on folks this morning, Lord. I just have that feeling that some of us may be a little down this morning. And I just pray that you will lift us up. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm a little down this morning, Pastor. I could use prayer. Something you said today just touched my heart and my mind. Would you pray for me this morning? Everybody else, is, put your hand up. I want to see them again. Here we are, standing in the need of prayer. And we have a grace, gracious and merciful and loving God. And he will lift us up. Father, this morning, I pray for those who have lifted their hand. I pray, Lord, that you would lift them up out of this place throughout the day. I pray this will be a day of victory over negative feelings and feelings that want to wish, wash away the joy of our salvation. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you do this because you've done it in my life and you've done it in the life of the people whose hands have raised and those who haven't because they've shared those stories with me. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you will minister with the Holy Spirit to each person, regardless of whether their hands were up or not. We face difficult times in the world as individual believers and as a church. We pray, Lord, that your sweet spirit would touch each and every heart this morning. And I pray you will encourage those who need encouraging. Lift up those who need to be lifted up. 
Convict those who need to be convicted. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. And let each and every one of us, because we all need it, feel your presence, feel the Holy Spirit's hug, and feel your love today. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, believing. Amen and amen.